Welcome to Become an Idol. I'm Dr. Robin Sargent, owner of Idol Courses. This is the place where newbies come to learn and veterans share their knowledge. I have here with me today, Samuel Pata, and he is a senior learning designer at GM Financial. And I was introduced to Samuel via LinkedIn, but he actually has a connection with Tandy Vaughn from the Idle Courses Academy. And he actually connected her um, to GM Financial. And so this is our small, small world. And I have brought Samuel on here to talk to us about learning management systems. Now, Samuel, will you please do a better job of introducing yourself? I doubt I can top that, but but I'll try. Um, thank you, Robin. My name is Samuel, Samuel Lapata. I am a senior instructional designer with GM Financial, like, like Robin just mentioned. Um, I am passionate about e-learning, everything e-learning. So I've, I've been doing this for about over six years now. And I've gone from being an intern to actually moving up in the in, in my career, and and it's just um, it's it's something that I'm passionate about. All things learning, so not just e-learning, but also developing talent and helping companies retain talent. Oh man, there's so much to be passionate about in the best job in the world. Um, so I want to hear your journey. I am sure that people's ears perked up when you said the word internship. So many of those that want to break into the field are asking about internships. So Samuel, will you go back to the day when you made that transition and just get into some of those details? Like how did you find your first internship and what did that look like? And how did you become an idol? Yeah, sure thing. So it was, I started out as an animator. I studied animation for my undergrad degree. And once I, once I started exploring animation, I applied for internships, summer internships, and got one with, with a company as an illustrator. And it was while I was at that company that I sat right next to someone who was an instructional designer. And she was on the phone half of the time talking to SMEs and, you know, it kind of picked my interest, but she was describing and talking about um, being someone who always likes to learn. I was instantly drawn to the world of instructional design. I had a conversation with her and, and got interested and started applying for internships, not as an illustrator, but as an ID and eventually, um, I did get a call back from T-Mobile over in Seattle. And mind you, at this time, I was based in Baltimore and didn't even know where Seattle was on the map <laughs> and only found out on the day that I was bound to travel. So you, you got your first taste of instructional design, not even like looking for it. It was complete accident. You signed up to be an illustrator and then you sat next to them. So when you started um, looking for your next internship, specifically for instructional design, did you just search the World Wide Web, Google it? Well, how'd you find the T-Mobile opportunity? Yeah, um, I just looked up, on, I looked up opportunities for internships online to instructional design, and I did not find anyone around me 
so any local ones and I I always wanted to move out of um, out of state anyway so that kind of it all aligned that way for me and I think it was my last internship because right after I applied to it I interned for three months I got a one month one month extension and got hired full-time right after that so you went and worked for T-Mobile as an intern and did, are you saying you did a, another internship? No, I interned for three months and got an extension for that internship and eventually got hired. Oh, okay. I'm following you now. Yeah. Now, so did your illustrator skills and I'm guessing you have graphic design skills, did that come into play? You think about you helping you land that first internship? Always, always, um, you know, I was helping out with things like presentations. And so I wasn't fully doing instructional design at the time of my internship, but I was, I slowly eased into it just by, you know, listening to folks all around me. We had very talented people on my team and and I was able to upskill and gain those knowledges that I had. And eventually I would return back to school to for my master's in instructional system instructional systems design. And did you do that while you were working at which place? Correct, at T-Mobile. Um, I did that. It, it was an online opportunity. Um, so still with the, the college that I graduated from, University of Maryland, Baltimore County. Oh, wonderful. And so since then, I think we um, chat a little bit before this podcast and you have held multiple positions and now you are a senior instructional designer. Correct. So I've, I've, um, I've been an LMS administrator. I've been a training coordinator um, and currently a senior, senior instructional designer. What a career already. So <laughs> So I really want to get into learning management systems. So many times um, I see those that are new that say, well, what kind of learning management system should I uh, learn and how, what's the best way to approach it? But I think maybe at this point, it's important to describe to those that don't know what is a learning management system. Yeah. um, Learning management systems are a repository of, of information. So pretty much the courses that you design and authoring tools like the storyline or Captivate, you eventually have to host those on some type of platform. And that's where the learning management system, learning management um, platform comes in. So there are places where you can store your courses and eventually have the system generate reports on who's taking the course and it helps you track your courses pretty much. Um, and there are different types of learning management, learning management systems. There's the open source type and there are the cloud-based types. And there's differences between those types of LMSs. Right, like an open source one might be a Moodle. Correct. And then the cloud-based ones, what's an example for that? Um, the cloud-based one will be like Think- Thinkific or 
or the success factors, for example, those are usually used by large organizations. So if, if an organization has over, say, 2,000 employees, for example, or, or more, they would probably opt for, an, for a cloud-based system because they're easier to manage. Um, they can easily scale up and you don't have to call IT every time when you have a, an issue with your LMS. No installation is required. It's a, it's a faster deployment and, and, and build as well. So. Right, like I remember uh, hosting Moodle, you, just like you mentioned, if it's open source, then you have to like debug your own scripts and you know, like get in there and work the PHP and all that other kind of stuff. And so when it's cloud-based, they just take care of all that IT parts for you. And it also helps with updates as well. So with the cloud-based, you get automatic updates as opposed to open source where you have to be notified every time to update your, your platform. And so what are some of the, throw out some names, what are some of the LMSs that you specifically have worked with? that I've worked with. I've yeah. worked with Cornerstone. I've worked with Blackboard in the past. I've worked, I mean, and that's, that's one that's, um, that has existed for a longer time than a lot of these other names that I'm calling. Um, Blackboard, I'm sure we used that in, in college and didn't think it was an LMS, but yes, Blackboard is an LMS. And I've also worked with um, success factors, which is what I'm actually working with right now at my current job. So besides being an ID, I also help with pushing out courses through the LMS. Now, in all your jobs, have you noticed that you usually have some piece of your job is interacting with the, a learning management system? Yes, correct. Um, sometimes we would have a learning, man learning management system admin, but it's, it's also a good experience for, for an ID to have and be able to manage their own courses. It saves time, for, it saves you from reaching out to your LMS manager every time you have an update, you can just go in there and do it yourself. Right. Yeah. You could save a lot of time or like, so you're like, Oh, uh, oops, that part's broken. You can just slide that course right back in there as an update and <laughs> nobody has to know. Correct. <laughs> that, okay. So that's good. So we've named a couple of them. We're pretty clear on what a learning management system is. Now there's another thing that's pretty popular, which are uh, learning record stores or an LRS. Could you just quickly um, describe the difference between an LMS and an LRS? Um, and LRS, so a, a lot of ma learning management systems also offer both opportunities. So it's really about the integration, um, which is the, I mean, where we hear the, the buzzword, the XAPI being thrown out all the time. Um, it's, it's really about creating a deeper experience for, for the learner and, you know, getting more data from that from the learner taking that course so it goes beyond just recording it goes beyond just recording um if a learner passes a course or completes a course completes a training 
to telling you how much the learn how much time the learner is spending on that page and what are their behaviors, what what pages are they getting stuck on. So you can now go back and use that information to make that course better or make a better experience for the learner. And, all right, this is good information. So learning management systems can sometimes also have LRS components so Correct. that they, you can get more details in your analytics and things beyond just, you know, the quiz scores, like Correct. you said. Yeah. yeah. All right. So many people are like, all right, well, there's so many learning management systems. If I want to go and learn how to use one and I am not currently working as an instructional designer, what's kind of my best next step? Your best next step would be to do a lot of research. I mean, there's so much materials. There's so many materials out there and a number of people you could follow and network with. Um, I, while I do support formal education, um, I still feel like there's a lot that's changing and even formal education may not be able to keep up. So it's best to look for blogs and there are a couple of people I can think of off the top of my head that you can follow. Delvin Peck is, is a good resource for that. Um, he hosts uh, um, some videos on YouTube that can really help you understand LMSs and, and their capabilities as well. What about um, just going and playing around in one? <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna break things. <laughs> That's what ends up happening, but it's it's not a bad idea though. Um, it's most LMSs have, you know, their own short tutorials you can take, and their their help sections and communities where you can chat with people and network with people and ask any questions that you may have, especially the open source ones. So if you're a small business and and you're looking to monetize your courses and things like that, you would definitely want to go with the open source ones. Those offer you some flexibility with the prize and, and you don't have to pay as much for them. Yeah, and I tell people too, um, Samuel, to just go get a demo like Talent LMS, you can get a free demo and yeah. play around in there and even in things like moodle you can get a free sandbox to demo right. and so right. that you could yeah. go and um and you won't actually break anything that matters in those right. sandboxes <laughs> right, right yeah i only said break things because i was thinking about you know going into an existing lms and, and trying to change things you know those could be tricky but, but definitely, if you're just starting out and you have your own courses to publish, then by all means, get a free, get a free version and try things out for yourself. Once you get started loading courses in the LMS, once you start with one LMS, that skill kind of translates to other LMSs because they're all similar in, in, some, kind of, in some way or the other. You're pretty much loading a scum package or otherwise it could be a standalone video into the LMS and asking the LMS to generate reports for you or keep track of your users. You know, those are the basic functions of an LMS. But 
if the best practices for using an LMS or exporting courses from Storyline to an LMS would be to make sure there are no, no spaces between your naming of the file. You can use underscores, but make sure there are no spaces. That works. That I've found works better, works best. Um, and also, if you're working with multiple, say, courses, say there's a pathway and you have multiple courses in that pathway, you want to take note of your naming convention so you're not um, so you're not missing anything or having to name your course final and then go back and add another final to that gets tricky. So you want to make sure that your naming is there's a pattern to your naming. You could have the date in there or the course number or a specific numeric value that that always helps. Yeah, like one of the ones that I find that works is uh, uh, the module number, the course title, and then like a V for version and a number. Correct. Yeah. That, that, that could work. And you don't, want to, you don't want it to be too long as well. So keep it short. Once if the text gets too long, then it causes problems down the line. What are some of these other best practices you have, Samuel? What are some of the things that you've seen um, work really well when you're working with an LMS or some things that make it uh, malfunction? Um, I think one of the biggest ones is to keep your file size at a minimum. So if you have videos and, and other media that could you know, blow up your course, you want to embed them or link to them instead and you shouldn't be creating two hour long courses in any case. Um, I always recommend keeping your courses to less than an hour if possible. Um, so don't have 200 slides in a course that always causes problems down the line. Right, because the bigger that file, like it could just straight up break it or it could just take forever to load. Correct. And there are different ways to export courses. You could use the SCORM 2001 or use AICC formats. I think both formats work actually. So, but sometimes the SCORM works better um, depending on the elements. Do you think it's uh, worthwhile at this point to just remind people what a SCORM package is? Yeah, that, that's that's a good one. Um, so a SCORM package is pretty much your what comes out of your authoring tool. So that's the way that the that's the way that your content gets packaged for the LMS. So it's think of it as a zip folder. So you're packaging all of the videos, the voiceovers, images that you that you've created in your in, in your storyline file, and then exporting it to a SCORM package. Yeah, and then many times it's just as easy as it'll be like put SCORM package here, and you drag and drop that zip folder right there, and right. the LMS will take care of the rest for you. Yeah, that that should be it. <laughs> I just want people to know it's it's not that intimidating, right? So if you've it's had to, <laughs> yeah, if you've it's had, yeah, if you've had to build your own website or if you know how to use Storyline, then um, it's not going to be that 
uh, big of a jump for you to learn how to use an LMS. And, and one best practice is you never want to rename your Scum package after you've exported it. That needs to be done before. I've seen, I've seen, I, I get this question all the time where someone has renamed their file and then now the LMS can't read it. So you want to make sure that your naming is done before exporting. And so even when you update it, you'll keep that same name, but Correct. you'll know that you have updated the course. Correct. Because then all of the links can talk to each other and then nothing gets missing. That's a, that's a good thing to know. And you shouldn't zip manually. You should export your courses in a way that it's already zipped. Yeah. So if you like go to Articulate Storyline, push publish, you know, for LMS or whatever that the wording is for there, and then you select SCORM, it should come out and it'll say, download the zip file. Correct. Yeah. So um, a lot of people are wondering like, well, how much do I need to know about an LMS when I get to an instructional design interview? Do you have any experience about what kinds of questions they asked you there? Um, So with that one, it's pretty much all that we've talked about so far. You want to know just the basic knowledge of, of LMSs. I don't think they would ask you that question in detail. They would probably would just ask you if you have LMS experience and um, all it is is you're loading courses online. I think the tricky part where you may need a manager, an LMS manager is, is when you're trying to decide who the audience is or how to push to the audience because you have to, in a large organization, you have to create different audience profiles. So if this course is going out to all managers, for example, or all employees, you want to have those profiles set up and those functionalities are available in the LMS. So it's not, there's no trial or error in that one. You, I mean, imagine what would happen if you pushed out a course for individual contributors to senior managers like that could cause problems, right? <laughs> but but it's not it's still not intimidating, right? It's it takes practice, it takes talking to your LMS manager. But if you're interviewing for an ID role, I don't think they should be asking you about LMSs anyways. It's a bonus, I think. It it should be a bonus. They they should have an LMS manager. I think we stretch ourselves too thin to too much as as an uh, as IDs, and we I, I see a lot of cost descriptions where a lot of job descriptions where they have oh you must be this and that and it's it's just too much. That practice probably needs to stop. <laughs> I mean, but it might not anytime soon, and so it is. It is. I mean, it's worthwhile to like go in there, get familiar. So just like you said, as long as when they ask you a question, do you have any experience? You can answer truthfully and with confidence. Sure. Yes, I have experience. I've used X LMS, um, like talent LMS or whatever one you can get a free demo of. And just know that it's it'll um, that same skill of using that one LMS will translate to the Correct. other one. It, it will translate. And, and it's okay to say you don't have that skill, but you're eager to learn. I think 
just having that honest, being honest upfront also helps. Um, it's an experience that you have to get while on the job. You can read about it, you can practice, but different companies have different LMSs. So I think just stating that you have a basic knowledge should get you the job in any case. What do you think is the things that, you know, had people hire you to a full-time role instead of just being an intern? And what are those, like, what's that advice you would give, you know, your younger brother or something if they wanted to become an idol? Yeah, um, the advice would be to just be curious and be always willing to learn about stuff. It's, It's so much that we get exposed to as instructional designers. I mean, I do a lot, of, I do a bit of freelance myself and, and I work with clients where, you know, different subject areas like healthcare, I could be working on with a law firm the next day. And that just exposes me to different um, learnings and opportunities. So I think just stay, stay knowledgeable, um, be open to learning and have that growth mindset and always make use of your networks as well. So talk to people, join um, different forums and like the e-learning challenges, one that I'm very passionate about as well. I, I've been taking part in, in the e-learning challenges for about over three years now. And, and you know, it's just enabled me to come up with different pieces for my portfolio. I started out with just one course and now I have over 150 courses. Oh my gosh, is that for real? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And those are all available on my website. I give them away for free. Well, okay, share your website. Yeah, sure then. It's my my name. So it's www samuelapata.com and they can go and check out your e-learning hero challenges on there and you're saying you're giving them away you mean people can like look inside your source files yes i have all the storyline files available for download holy moly your website is about to get a ton of traffic samuel (laughs) yeah i mean i i i get stuff from people all the time get ideas from people so i just like to share any things that i've built myself incredible and i just love that about our community i think that we are very generous community as instructional designers and so um, i'm just going to give you um, so much appreciation for being here with me today and sharing about learning management systems, giving the advice of a growth mindset, and of course, for sharing your e-learning hero challenges. Thank you so much, Samuel. Thank you, Robin. It's, It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for listening. You can find the show notes for this episode at idlecourses.com. If you like this podcast and you want to become an instructional designer, an online learning developer, join me in the Idle Courses Academy where you'll learn to build all the assets you need to land your first instructional design job, early access to this podcast, tutorials for how to use the e-learning authoring tools, templates for everything course building, and paid instructional design experience opportunities. 
Go to idlecourses.com forward slash academy and enroll or get on the wait list. Now get out there and build transcendent courses. Thank you.